Mac Power Users, episode 445, HomeKit Intensive. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. Uh, there's been a lot of movement lately with HomeKit and Apple's automation solutions. And since we're a show about Apple stuff, we thought maybe today would be the day to talk about HomeKit. Yes. You know, Dave and I love HomeKit. We've talked about it a lot before. We talked about Internet of Things and all of our various devices, but we've never really dug deep on HomeKit. So we're going to talk about the HomeKit app. We're going to talk about animation, automation. We're going to talk about scenes. We're going to talk about rooms. If you have been worried about HomeKit, if you've thought about diving in, but never quite uh, gotten into it, uh, I think this is going to be a good show where we really dive deep on that topic. Before we do that, though, there's a couple things we need to talk about. Yeah. So I will tell you that this is uh, we're in August. So this is Relay membership uh, or anniversary month, I guess is what we're calling it. Uh, during the anniversary month, actually, it spans a couple of months. Uh, your favorite Relay shows typically will post a bonus episode. And David and I are going to post a bonus episode. In fact, we're recording it right now. Um, well, right after now. Um, and David, we've decided we're going to talk about a movie. Yes, one of my very favorite movies. I got to pick this year, Katie's Next Year. But it's not the movie you think it is. It's not any of the movies that you think it is. It wasn't the movie that I thought it was going to be. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to record that show with you. And I hope that our listeners will be excited to listen to it. But without further ado, uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here today to talk about HomeKit. I have really gone all in on HomeKit recently. And I think part of that has been um, trying to prepare myself and to get acclimated with these home pods that I have in my house now really move everything into the Apple ecosystem. I think before HomeKit was maybe a little half baked, but it's gotten better. And I've gone all in on HomeKit and I have been really tweaking my scenes and my automation so that I can move as much as possible into HomeKit and get rid of as much as possible that has been in third party apps and maybe with some internet services like If This Then That. Because before I really feel like we had to uh, combobulate a lot of things together to make a lot of things work. You, you could do it, but it was it was kind of hacky. Um, and, and I feel like, um, I feel like you, I can do almost everything now with HomeKit. Uh, part of that being is I've kind of gone out of my way to buy things that are only HomeKit compatible. I still have a few things in my house that aren't, and I, I still have to use separate apps and, and things for that. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm living a HomeKit compatible life and that's, that's been working out pretty well. Yeah, I do think, you know, your point that it's got better is absolutely true. I mean, uh, I still think that the user interface in the HomeKit app is wonky. And I mean, even in the as we record this in the betas, they're removing some of that silly artwork and uh, photos in the uh, the backgrounds. So it's more kind of like solid color stuff. And the idea is that you would take pictures of your rooms as your backgrounds. But the I did that. Did you not do that? Yeah, I did. I did. And but just the organization of it. The, um, the fact that all the icons are the same shape that, that I think I've talked about that on the show before, but just like, if I have a light bulb, why doesn't the icon take the shape of a light bulb or a camera is the shape of a camera? It just, cause you want to be able to just glance at it and turn things off and on. And when they're all rounded rectangles, it just adds a degree of complexity that is unusual for Apple. But, um, so I, I agree that it's better. I also think there's a lot of room for improvement, but the fact is it is turning into a manageable ecosystem if you want to start buying into it. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It needs it needs to get a better it needs to get a whole design overhaul. And we're certainly not getting that in iOS 12, but it 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 is getting better. I mean, you're right. Right now I look at it, I'm like, which one of these is my which light bulb? And you, you have to sit and read the little text that say, oh, this one's the one on the driveway. This one's the one on the front porch. OK, this one's the one in my lamp. Got it. OK, um, but I, I think it definitely could do better. And, and we'll see with that. But I thought it might be fun. Uh, and, and of course, if you have any other preliminary thoughts about HomeKit or how to set it up, but I think a lot of people are lost in how to get started. How can you optimize it? What can you really do with HomeKit? If we went through our HomeKit setup and rules and talked about some of the things that we're doing with HomeKit, uh, because maybe I'll get some ideas from you. Maybe you'll get some ideas from me. Maybe the listeners will get ideas from both of us. And then hopefully the listeners will share some of their HomeKit workflows in the uh, MPU talk forums as well. Yeah, I agree. And um, one other preliminary point I would add is with the arrival of Mac OS Mojave, you're getting a HomeKit app on your Mac as well. So if you're like me and you're sitting behind an iMac most of the day, the ability to turn things off and on without picking up an iOS device is pretty nice. So in order to use HomeKit, let's talk big picture for a minute. You obviously have to have a HomeKit compatible device. So that would be something like a Hue bulb. It would be something like a Lutron Cassetta switch. Uh, the newer Wemo switches are compatible with HomeKit. The older ones require a, a hub to, to work with HomeKit. Um, there are a number of things that are HomeKit compatible, and you can buy a lot of Internet of Things devices that will work with HomeKit. You just have to look for the little HomeKit icon. A lot of older devices now are coming out with HomeKit compatibility, but you have to buy a separate hub. Um, I've taken all those and stuck them together and um, honestly shoved them in a box and put them under a piece of furniture so you, they're not really noticeable. Um, but more and more things are becoming HomeKit compatible. And I believe, and you might be able to speak to this a little bit more, we'll be able to do more things, at least with voice, maybe not so much with HomeKit, uh, coming with Siri shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, so just to unpack a few of things you said, uh, HomeKit devices have categories like, you know, light bulbs and switches are, are categories, but there's a whole bunch more like, you know, you can have outlets, which are will plug into plugs in your house that you can then control the, the flow of electricity via HomeKit. That's a great thing if you want to have your coffee maker go on at a certain time or whatever. Uh, they have uh, thermostats, which, you know, started out with the Nest thermostat, which is still not HomeKit compatible, but there's a whole bunch of them made by Echobee and other companies that can do that. And then just the list goes on. Window shades, uh, fans. I looked at window shades when I was doing my uh, home office thinking, oh, you know what? I could totally spoil myself and put a HomeKit window shade in my home office and there's a couple vendors lutron is one of the bigger ones so i went through and priced it out and for me to get a uh, a window shade at, at ikea that fit my window pretty well and and does the job but i have to reach over and lift it up or pull it down was fifty dollars and to do a home kit one it was like a thousand dollars so so you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna reach up and pull it down a little huh yeah, exactly. I, w I went the IKEA route there, but but I mean, just to give you an example, it's early days. Some of the stuff I think it will get better over time. Yeah, you know, but just goes on and on. Fans, cameras, door locks, you know, speakers, sensors, which is to me is a very interesting category. I'd like to talk to you about later. But the um, so you've got all these different things you can plug in, and as a user, you have to start taking stock of what you're doing in your home and where these various bits and bobs would fit in. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the beginning point if you're going to try and do this stuff. 
Right. And we had Robert Spivak on the show, and maybe we'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. You, you kind of have to start with what is the problem you're trying to solve, um, be, because it's real easy to start spending all this money on on Internet of Things compatible stuff and HomeKit compatible stuff, only to realize, you know, you really don't need to spend $1,000 on shades. You really could just spend 50 and reach over and do it with your hand just as easily. Because I'll tell you, I don't open and close my shades that often. I keep, I have shutters and I keep them open and it's fine. I think the only time I close them is when I'm leaving town. So. Well, I, uh, I do it all the time, but the, um, uh, it's right next to my desk, so it's not that hard to reach over, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the points. The other point that we also talked about with Robert is who are the other humans that you live with and how is that going to interact with them? Like if setting up, and we just talked about this last week, but I mean, setting up hue lights where, you have to throw a switch in order for the automation to work. And then if you live with other humans that just want to throw a switch to turn the lights on, um, that's a problem. That's why both of us became such believers in the Lutron stuff a few years ago. Um, so you, know, you, you just got to kind of take a look at all of those things as you start to put together your, your home kit. Yeah, I will tell you, I have started using fewer and fewer Hue lights in the house. Although I must say their outdoor stuff looks pretty interesting. Yeah, they just came out with more, but I feel kind of snake bit by them because because it's always based on switches. Um, so, so maybe let's just take that as one point. Um, I, let's talk around some of the pieces we have and then maybe at the end summarize with, you know, our overall home kit situation. So for, for me, the the uh, Hue bulbs, I had a bunch. I've sold most of them uh, or given them away to friends. Uh, but we have in our master bedroom, we don't have can lights in the ceiling, um, the uh you know, that's another you room that we just had an electrician at your house. You could have gotten this fixed. Yeah, but that room has kind of a cathedral ceiling, so it's a much bigger deal. And I, I've spent enough money, Katie. Just trust me. Okay. I, I'll tell you, that was the first thing I did when I when I moved into this house. Before I moved the furniture in, I had an electrician come and he they wired everything for Ethernet. Uh, they put some extra outlets in and they put cans in all the rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the room, because the way the ceiling is in the room, the cans are not. Anyway, it's a long story, but that that it's funny how the master bedroom is the last room that that Daisy and I have to spend money on. But we, you know, we've just put off our own room all these years because, you know, we got to get the kids taken care of and all these other things. But either way, um, that room, for a variety of reasons, has some lamps and we have hue bulbs in there and they're just turned on permanently. Um, but they do have the little uh, what do you call the little dial switches on the lamps where you can turn them off and on when you twist the dial. And there's three in there. One's next to my bed. One is where my desk used to be. And one's next to Daisy's uh, side of the bed. And the one for Daisy may or may not be connected at any one time. But for mine, they're always on. And I use like, um, because of a medical thing I do, I have to take eye drops every night before I go to bed. And then my eyes are closed because I've got stuff in there. And I just use my voice uh, and, uh, and call out. You know, I would say the magic term, turn off the bedroom lights and it turns off all the active bedroom lights and, and it just works, you know, so I don't have any problem and the hue lights work great for that room. The other thing I did was I got one of those hue switches, you know, they have like a dimmer switch that you can, and it's meant to be attached to a wall outlet if you want, but you can also, they, they run on a battery. So I just literally stuck it to the wall next to my bedside table and just so I can reach over there as well. For some reason, the voice technology reach, uh, fails me and I want to turn the lights on at some point I can just reach over and tap a button and they turn on. So I've got a number of, uh, up, well, I won't say number. I think I have 
less than half a dozen hue bulbs at, at my house. And I have primarily put them in lamps. I find they work well in lamps. And then I've got a few outside and the outside ones are in fixtures that are always on. Like I've got, um, what are they called? Sconces maybe, um, that are outside by my, by my, um, my, my garage. And they're just always on that, that switch is always switched on. And then the hue bulbs come on and off based on motion or based on time of the day. And then I have one in my front porch light. So all, all but one of my hue bulbs are white. I did not feel the need to spend the the money on the color bulbs. I just thought that was a waste of money. However, um, it was one Amazon prime day someday back, they had a, a sale or something on hue bulbs and I bought one color bulb. So I took that color bulb and I put it at my front door. So I changed that color bulb different times of the year based on um, uh, Halloween or Christmas or St. Patrick's Day or whatever. I'll, 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 that's, that's my one festive thing I'll do is I'll, I'll change it based on color. Again, I will tell you, uh, Hugh just came out with a, um, a series of outdoor products. And I don't have a lot of outdoor lighting other than uh, the front porch light, the back porch light, and the, the two sconces next to my... Um, next to my garage. So I would be interested in adding some additional lighting outside. And I think uh, I'm not going to mind adding them with the hue because they're all their outdoor lights, I, I think are plugged in with a, a weatherproof plug where it's going to be pretty expensive to add, um, to add additional floodlights to the house at this point. So think for what I would pay an electrician to come and add additional floodlights, I could, I could probably put together a, a pretty nice hue system. But at, at this point, I'm a, you and I think both are, are full converts that um, hue lights are, are pretty good in, in lamps and maybe for specialty lighting. But um, for everything else, I buy the Lutron Cassetta switches and just control things at the switch. While we're on the subject of outdoor lighting, uh, what I've done out there is I have... Um... Uh, it's just on a Lutron switch, the front door light, which is great because then I can use it through all the home kit recipes and, and do all that stuff. And then in the backyard, I've got several strings of lights. You know, we've got a nice enough backyard that we can have people over or even better. My kids can have their friends over. You know, it's, it's always good when your kids friends hang out at your house. Right. So so I like to light it up back there so they can sit out there and talk about how dumb we are. The parents, you know. Uh, but I've wanted to put that on HomeKit forever. Uh, I've, a couple times I've bought some of these outdoor um, HomeKit switches, which are supposed to be heavy-duty, weatherproof switches that connect to HomeKit. And uh, I believe iHome made one, and I don't want to—I don't remember who made the other one. I've tried two, and the problem is I've got two or three strings of lights attached to it, and they draw too much current, and it's just the switch is just never consistent. I can't get it to reliably turn on and off with HomeKit. So uh, that problem is yet to be solved for me. Maybe I'll hear something from a listener. Um, well, you know, um, the the Hue has a has a light um, has a, that's one of their new things. I, I hate for this to sound like a commercial for them, but that's one of the new things they have is a, an outdoor light strip. Yeah, I may try that just to see if that does it. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I am very um, mercenary about Amazon. Like if if I get a home kit product. I, the first couple days is key to me. And if it, if it gives me any problem at all in the first couple days, I just send it back. I, I don't want, you, you know, that if it's, you know, if it's that hard getting, you know, engaged, it's going to be even harder once you're married. So I, I don't keep that stuff around a long time unless it's absolutely solid for me. So maybe I'll try the Hue one and just see what happens. The other thing I do, I did outside, which I think makes a lot of sense is 
there's some really good solar powered spotlights now. I mean, they're, they're much better than they used to be. And, and this is another thing I got on Amazon. I'll try and look up the link and put it in the show notes, but I just got some plastic ones and they were still expensive. They were like 30 or $40, but I got several of them and I mounted them, you know, in the in key points in the backyard and a couple of points in the front yard. And they do a great job just on solar power. So every night I have lighting in my backyard, which is nice because where I live, there's a lot of wildlife like rattlesnakes. And I want to see them if they're out there. Yeah, I I will caution people. There are some good ones and there's some bad ones. So be careful with the ones you get. And sometimes you get what you pay for in these types of things with these solar powered lights. But anyway, so I got some that I like and they're a few years old now and they're still working great. I'm sure at some point they're going to fail and I'll have to replace them. But I feel like I'm getting my money's worth because I didn't have to do any wiring. They just come on every night when it goes dark and then they turn off about four or five hours later. All right. So we've talked about hue. We've talked about outside lighting. What else do you have in your house? I know we're both a big fan of the the Lutron Cassetta lights. What, what all do you have wired up there? Yeah, I, I'm slowly working my way through the whole house. We talked just a few weeks ago on the show about how I'm I'm going to hit my daughter's room next. So uh, slowly I'm getting all of them replaced with these Lutron Cassettas. There's a couple switches in the house that are not dimmable lights where it's just an on or off switch. And I've been researching that. There's one called Koo Geek, I think, and iHome as well. There's a, there's a couple other um, uh, 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 Apple uh, um, Home. Uh, Lutron has one that's dimmable. I've got it installed at my house. No, no, no. It's I, the, the, All the Lutrons I have are, are dimmable. I just want one that's an on or off switch. Oh, which Lutron, Lutron has one that's on and off. I'll send you the link. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, because I would probably prefer a Lutron. But like like in the garage, we have the, um, you know, we have those neon not neon, but you know, the gas powered lights. So they, um, you know, they don't, they don't have a dimmer will not work for them. So I want to get those replaced at some point, but eventually my goal is to have basically every switch in the house controllable from my phone. Yeah. So I've done a similar thing. In in fact, David, I actually prefer the non-dimmable switches. I, I started with the Lutron starter set, which gives you two dimmable switches by but I mean, that's just what comes on the set along with the hub. And so I put the dimmable lights in places where I thought I would want dimmable lights. I put it in my family room and I put it in my bedroom. Um, but everywhere else in my house, I really don't have a need for dimmable lights. And so I found that Lutron actually has just a, a plain on off switch. I think the difference between this and the dimmable ones is you do have to have a neutral wire for these. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be a, an issue for you, but the on off switches, just the straight on off switches are great because you can also use them to control things like fans. So I've got just the straight on off, um, in my kitchen, in my upstairs, um, office, I've got it controlling my, uh, fan in the, the family room, because those are obviously things you don't want to be dimmable and they come in a number of colors. Whereas I think the dimmable ones are just white in my kitchen, um, I have a, an, a brownish almond backsplash. So the the plugs that are against the backsplash are an almond color as opposed to white, which isn't everywhere else in the house. So I was able to get an almond switch for, for that particular room and it worked well. Now they do make also a product that is not a switch, you know, where you wire it into the wall, but just kind of like similar to one of their Pico switches that just has two buttons on it. And you can program those two buttons any way you want. And so that I've got one of those. And as you walk in our front door, um, that one, if you if you hit the bottom button, it basically turns all the lights in the house off except for the porch light. 
Uh, so it's a good way as you're walking out the door. If you missed a light, you just tap that and it hits the kitchen and the family room and everything. It turns them all off. And it does just the opposite when you come home. So if you feel at all unsafe or you just want to come home to a house that's fully lit, you just walk in, you push one button and most of the lights in the house turn on. Like you, I'm slowly swapping mine every couple of months. I try to, I, I've actually, again, I hate to tell people this because I don't want them to buy them out from under me. Um, I have a camel, camel, camel rule for the Lutron switches that I, I watch them whenever they go on sale. I, I buy one and then I, and that's my weekend project is I install another one. They, I've gotten to the point where they take me 15 minutes or less to install. Yeah, they're not difficult. Uh, what about on the side of sensors? Do you have any sensors uh, installed? I just bought my first sensor and I like it so much. I've ordered a second one. So I bought a um, a Hue sensor. I did not re- realize until I did a little research on sensors that the Hue sensor, the Hue motion sensor has become retroactively HomeKit compatible. So it must have been built in there all along. And so I bought it to put by my front door because I wanted to be able to do some automation that if somebody came up to my door, because right now I have my front door lights set to come on at um, at sunset, uh, but then turn off, I think, at like at 1030. And um, I wanted I if someone um, opened the front door or came up to the front door after 1030, I wanted not only the front porch light to come on, the garage light to come on, uh, but also a couple of lights in the house to come on. And so I was able to put that sensor by the front door and set up that motion. And so I, I that comes that then comes on at 1030 and then goes off like um, at, at sunrise. So if I go out of the house to take out the trash or do something late at night or if I leave early in the morning, um, my my lights will turn on for me. Or if somebody just walks up, then lights will turn on. Now, how are you getting where's the sensor placed? Is, is this one that you plug into the wall or is it battery powered? Nope. This is a battery powered sensor. The sensor, the uh, batteries are um, supposed to last for two years and the sensor not only gives you motion data, it also gives you light and temperature data. So you can plug in that information and use it however you want. They're pretty inexpensive. They're about 40 bucks. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. That's tempting. And, and it, and it doesn't even matter if you have hue light bulbs. It's just a sensor that plugs into home kit. It's yes. Cause you can, it just becomes a home kit sensor accessory. Of course it works with you and it can be set up with you, but in the hue app, when it asks you to set up, you can also um, say, no, thanks. I'll set this up with home kit. And it's just a sensor you set up with home kit. Yeah. I was looking at the Eve sensor because I've got several of the Eve door sensors. I guess I'll talk about that. I've got uh, the sensors that go on your door where they, it's basically a magnet and you put a, uh, a magnet on the door and then the sensor goes on the rim. And whenever you open the door, the contact is broken. And that's a piece of data for HomeKit that allows you to do things like if it's if it's dark outside and the front door opens, then it turns on the kind of the entry hall area light there. And uh, it also turns on one other light. So you walk in. You don't have to push any button. The lights just come on automatically for you as you walk in the front door at night. Um, it's also nice when, like, if you're traveling and you want to know, keep a log of how many times your doors are open. Like, if you have people coming in the house to take care of things or if something's unusual, um, it's they're uh, they're pretty nice. Uh, they work great. They use a little half size. Uh, I think it's a half size double A battery, but it's like half the height, and they do wear out about three or four months, about every three or four months after we place the batteries in them. So uh, you just climb up and take it. There's a little plastic piece you slide off, put a new battery in, and then now you've got data on your front door again. And I eventually put those on all three of the entry doors to my house. 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by the Omni Group and their latest version of OmniFocus for the iPhone and iPad. That's OmniFocus version 3. The latest version adds several new features while still keeping it beautiful and usable. Uh, what features, you may ask? Why don't you try these on for size? First of all, you can do tags. Tags are a great new feature. Uh, I make them for things like people, energy level, priority, location. I'm working on a new field guide on this I have, so I'm like going crazy with tags right now. But uh, I do find them very useful. And no matter what floats your boat, maybe there's a group of two people that you need to be with for something to happen, and it happens regularly. You can make a tag for that, and they're very easy to apply and use. Uh, the forecast view also now shows you your tasks and calendar events in order so you can better see what's coming up. And uh, forecast view, in my mind, is one of the, the premier features of OmniFocus. I use it all the time to look at the next day to see what's going on. So if you can imagine if you have a meeting that starts at 10 and then you've got a deadline on a project that's at 1 p.m., then another meeting at 2 p.m., you'll see those in the order they are. So as you're preparing for the day, you can know where to block time out to make sure that you hit all your deadlines and make it to all your meetings. It's also useful to see when you've over overloaded yourself, and hopefully that'll give you the foresight to get rid of some of that stuff before the day starts and you feel like you're you're behind before you start. Uh, the repeating tasks stuff is much easier to use now. It's a lot easier to set up. They have real world examples, such as the first weekday of the month. If you want to make a repeating task for that, you can do that. Uh, and also they've added batch editing, which is really great, especially on the iPad, because I do a lot of work in the evening of planning my next day with OmniFocus and being able to select seven items and defer them or star them or do whatever I want with them uh, is now easier than ever with OmniFocus. There's a bunch more. Uh, something somebody wrote me about recently about the Omni Group is something I forget to mention in these ad reads. And uh, a listener wrote to compliment the Omni Group about how helpful they were because uh, she had a problem with the, the app and she called. They have an 800 number and one of the Omni support ninjas was there for her and helped her through it. And it just got me thinking, how many app companies these days have an 800 phone number you can call when you have a problem with the app? I mean, that's just one more reason to love the Omni Group. They have a 30-day trial period, you know, money back if you don't like it. So go ahead, head over to their website, check it out, uh, omnigroup.com. They've got a lot of great apps, but OmniFocus 3 for iPad and iPhone is really the way to go. I love that app, use it every day, and you should too. Thank you, Omni Group, for supporting the Mac Power users. Okay, we're still going through our, our HomeKit devices. We've talked about lights. We've talked about switches. We've talked about sensors. Um, I actually have a lot of plugs in my house. This was one of the first things that I started with HomeKit automation. And thankfully, most of them have uh, now become HomeKit compatible. I went in um, pretty deep with the uh, Wemo uh, system. I bought a lot of Wemo switches. Uh, upgraded them over the years to the the Wemo Mini plug, and now the Wemo Mini Wemo had a bridge that would convert their devices to HomeKit, and now the Wemo Mini plug um, has become HomeKit compatible with the firmware update. Yeah, that's one thing that Apple has done is they've made it easier now for people to make HomeKit products, which is why you're seeing an influx of new ones that that don't require a hub. So, um, do you have any any uh, um, plugs? I, I, I'm just looking at my home kit menu right now and I have a couple, one called Christmas lights and one called outdoor lights, neither of which is getting a response because I, um, 
I don't have a use for them in non-holiday scenarios. You know, I just don't have anything that's plugged into the wall that I want to remotely turn off and on. What do you use them for? Um, well, like you, I, I have a couple that are just constantly packed up. Um, I, I don't know if you have this, but I, I have a couple of those big Tupperware bins full of my holiday decorations. And so I have a couple that are just that just live in that bin and they're they're outdoor Christmas lights and the Christmas tree. So I, I always plug those into the, the switches. Um, and every time I unplug them or I pull them out in November, December, I always have to do the, the firmware updates. But I, I do have a couple that I use otherwise. So the the big one that that is is life changing every day. Uh, no, this sounds weird, but um, I sleep with white noise. I always have, and so I have a, a fan in my room that um, not only keeps me cool because it's Florida and it's hot here, but it it's a it's a nice white noise machine for me. And this is such first world problems. I understand. But it was so annoying that I would have to every night walk over and turn the fan on. This is like a floor plan fan. I have a I have a fan that's like above me, but it doesn't make enough noise. So I have like a, a plug in fan. So every night I would have to go turn the fan on. And then every morning I would have to get up, get out of bed and then go turn the fan off. And I thought, you know, this is a problem that I could automate. So I plugged it into a Wemo switch and I, I go to bed about the same time every night. And um, I get up about the same time every day. So I've actually programmed the switch. You could do this with any timer. It doesn't have to be a Wemo switch. But I've, I've programmed the switch to um, at uh, 10 o'clock every night, turn on the bedroom fan. And if I'm not heading to bed, uh, I hear the fan from the other, other areas of the house. I'm like, oh, it's probably about time that I get ready to go to bed. That's actually a help as well, probably. Yeah. And um, every morning... At uh, 5.30, it turns it off. And it is the best alarm clock because I wake up as soon as that fan goes off. Really? No, no. I mean, if I have something important, I will also set an alarm. But unless I'm in a really deep sleep, I will immediately wake up as soon as that fan goes off. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Um, now I've I've changed the uh, the hours so on the weekends I I don't turn the fan off until you know like eight o'clock but not, rarely do I sleep until eight o'clock but um but I do turn the I do have the fan set so that it can stay on at eight o'clock and then just having it connected to a uh, a switch gives me the ability to then make it part of morning routine so if I get up early or if I get up late um, I can set my good morning routine which does things like turn off the fan, turn on the bedroom lights, you know, play my news briefing and do those types of things. I could see also where you would want to use one like for a safety thing. Like if you catch yourself leaving the curling iron or the, you know, clothing iron plugged in or something, you could put it on one of these switches and then you could just tie it to like after it's turned on, you know, so many hours, turn it off automatically or whenever you leave the house. I mean, there's so many different ways you can couch these rules. So you can, I, I would just caution people that these devices are not foolproof. And I would, if for something, cause I've thought about that. I've thought about getting one for my curling iron because, uh, you know, ladies know this is you, you get in the car and you drive away and then you go, did I, did I unplug the curling iron? I think, I think I did. I think. And then you turn around and you drive back to the home. And of course, every time you turn around and drive back, the curling iron's unplugged and everything's fine. But, um, the minute that you don't is when you set your house you on come fire. home yeah exactly right exactly. um i don't know that i would trust it a hundred i mean i think it would do it most of the time but for something that you're concerned that if you accidentally leave on might burn your house down 
I don't know that I would trust it 100%. I also, most curling irons now also have um, auto off functions that I also don't trust. But, you know, I'm just saying, if you're doing it for safety, it could be a good backup, but don't rely on it 100%. I could also see maybe using it with like a speaker system if you or an audio system if you are afraid you might leave it on, if you have it on all the time. I don't know. Anything that you drive away and say, oh, did I turn that off? That would give you a way to open a phone app and, and turn it off remotely. Yeah. So a couple of other uses that that I use for this. Um, I I've changed my workflow and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, um, I used to have a number of, um, of D link, um, inexpensive, um, cameras around the house and they did not have the ability to turn off based on proximity. So I would use the Wemos as a kill switch for those cameras and would have the Wemos turn on and off power to those cameras based on my location. If I left or if I got home, because I would want the cameras on when I left, but I did not like the cameras on when I was home. So I was literally cutting power to them when I got home. So that was one way that I used the, um, the Wemos. Um, other ways that I use the Wemo, this is going to sound, this is, this is if, if anybody from Apple, and I know you are, so if you're listening, please, please, please. I actually have a Wemo plug connected to my Apple TV because I like to watch TV at night. I like to watch Apple TV at night. And depending on the app that you use, many, many, many of the Apple TV apps do not let you turn off autoplay. So for example, if you're watching CNN or you're watching CBS News or one of those things, if you start playing something, it will just play in perpetuity for as long as, 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 long as it has content, it will just play. And I really wish there was a sleep function on the Apple TV, not sleep as in if I'm inactive for so long, turn off the Apple TV, but sleep as in like a, like a TV. Most TVs have a sleep function. There is though. No, but there, it doesn't do what you think it does. Have you, have you ever long pressed the top, right? I think it's the home button, the top right corner of the no, no, I know I want it to do it because I've actually fallen asleep. Oh, you mean you want it to automatically turn off. I want it to automatically sleep in 30 minutes. The iPad has this feature, but like if I'm watching something on the Apple TV in bed, I want the Apple TV to turn off or stop playing or at least kill the internet connection at a certain time because I don't want to constantly be killing my bandwidth all night because I fell asleep. I've just never one of those people falls asleep with the TV on. I do. I do a lot. Now, I the TV turns off after 30 minutes because my my TV has a sleep function, but the Apple TV in the background that's connected to the TV keeps playing. Okay, so what I do cuz I don't I don't fall asleep with the TV on, so I just, if you long press the home button on the Apple TV remote, it says sleep and you press the button and the whole thing shuts down and if you have the I believe it's called CEC, the integration between the TV and the Apple, it turns the TV off too and everything just is honky dory. So that's how we do it and it's it's just fine, but I don't have that problem. That doesn't work if you've fallen asleep. Yeah, you're right. That would be a problem. Hey, while we're talking about cameras a little bit, um, I'll say that that is my big exception to my HomeKit system is I don't have, uh, well, I have one HomeKit camera that I bought just to kind of test, but I'm fully invested with the Canary um, 
uh, cameras. Yeah, I bought the first one, I think, when it was a Kickstarter or whatever, however they got crowdsourced at the beginning. And now I have two of those in the house. Um, they're nice little cameras. They also, you know, take the temperature and they monitor people coming in and out and they have a really loud siren in that I can activate remotely if I want. And then over the time I bought a couple of the outdoor battery powered ones that I have to take down and charge once a month. But, and then I pay the, I think it's a hundred dollars a year to Canary and then they store all that online for 30 days. So I have kind of a record of everybody coming in and out the front door. I have a camera system on the inside if I want. I wish that was HomeKit compatible. At one point they talked about it, but it's never happened. So, and I have little faith that they're ever going to get there. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of these cameras have talked and the doorbells too have talked about being HomeKit compatible and then that's, that's never happened. So I, I, I teased it. I guess I'll tell you what I've gone ahead and done. So I have a, a I used to have these inexpensive D-Link cameras that were, were plugged into the, the Wemo switches to turn them off and turn them on. I actually, this was going to be my things we're playing with, but I'll, I'll share it with you now. I actually just recently switched everything over to Amazon cloud cams, which I was hesitant to do because they are not HomeKit compatible. And because it's Amazon, they probably never will be HomeKit compatible. But, you know, like you, I'm kind of happy to have a couple of things outside the Apple ecosystem. And I just, there aren't really any great HomeKit compatible cameras. The D-Link has that one cylinder thing. But what sold me on the cloud cam is um, they were 50% off at, um, uh, I think it was, it was a Prime Day. Best Buy was doing a sale to compete with Prime Day. So normally these cameras are 120 bucks, which is a pretty good deal in and of itself. In fact, the wire cutter has, has listed them as one of their budget picks. And Best Buy was doing a deal where you get them for 60 bucks. And I was like, well, for 60 bucks, I'll get two. So I picked up two of them. Turns out I really only needed one because the the camera has a, what is a standard now, but a pretty wide angle view. I think it views up to 120 degrees or maybe more. They're almost fisheye, most of them. And, and so that camera was able to span as much space and cover my whole downstairs living area, not the bedrooms, but the living room, the dining room and the kitchen. Whereas I needed two of the D-Link cameras to do that. So I just took the second camera and put it upstairs. The, um, the, the second thing is the picture quality. I mean, it's, it's high def picture quality and the, um, you know, the older cameras I was using, I, I, I think was, was like only 240p. It was, it was pretty low quality and I was just blown away. And the, um, the feature wise, it's, it's similar to the Nest cams in that the cloud cam has the ability to turn on and turn off based on your presence using your iPhone. Um, I will tell you, they are not build quality as good as the Nest cams and photo quality. I'm, the reviews I've read said they're not quite as good, but they are plenty good for me. Um, and the other thing, and I've realized that other people have done this before and they've, they've changed and they've backtracked and taken away. But right now, at least, Amazon is giving you 24 hours of free cloud storage, which for me is really all I need. In fact, I don't really want more than that, but it's enough that if I come home and something has happened, that I can go back and see what happened for 24 hours. I, I, I think, you know, there's a bunch of innovation going on here and the, the components are frankly getting cheaper. Uh, this is only going to get better. Like I'm not entirely sold on the camera quality in the canaries. They're good, but they're not, I don't think I don't, I haven't done, I don't know the spec differences, but I would assume that the camera in your Amazon cloud cam is probably better than my canary cams, which are two or three years old now. Um, but you know, at some point 
I would like to get that into HomeKit. I think it would be nice if I could have it all in because as I understand it, those cameras can also act as motion sensors. So, um, you know, you can do a lot with them if you want to do it, but now they're just too expensive. Most of the HomeKit, there's only two or three options available for HomeKit and uh, I don't have enough experience with any of them to want to do it. And I've already, you know, I'm already kind of in on the Canary system, but eventually I would like to get, get it all into one system. But at the same time, also, I guess I would say I'm okay having my camera system outside of HomeKit now. And if that's what you need to do to make it work, I get it too. Yeah. The other thing I'll tell you is that as of right now, I mean, that Amazon really just got into this camera thing. They they really did it um, to to touch off their their Amazon Key product, which I, I don't really know how how well that's that's launched. But Amazon also bought um, Ring, which is the doorbell system that I use. So. Um, I, I have a feeling very soon at some point, those, those products will, will all merge, which I'll be very excited about because ring has a number of outdoor cams. So if I could move all of my cameras into the ring slash Amazon ecosystem, I would be pretty happy with that. Hey, I do hope that, um, a bunch of cameras come over to HomeKit. Like, I don't even think there is really a doorbell product for HomeKit now, is there? No, a bunch of, you know, ring promised it but then never delivered and then they got bought by Amazon. So I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see that. Just before we move on and because I know this segment's gone long, but it was kind of fun talking through this and hopefully educational for some people listening out there Um, with the new home kit stuff. If you've got any home kit devices, go into the home app and play with the automation tab because that's where you can really see this stuff has come a long way. Um, Apple can trigger home automation stuff on when people arrive, when people leave uh, a certain time of day. And that's not just like 10 a.m. to 5.30, um, 10 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. It can be from sunset to sunrise. Um, they can do it if an accessory is turned on, you know, like if you turn on the lights here, make something else happen in the other side of the house, or like we were talking sensor uh, detection. So, you know, whether it's a door sensor or an infrared sensor, you can make things happen. So putting those, all of those rules together, you can make a lot happen with all your home kit stuff. And, and um, maybe we should just finish this up talking just a little bit about some of our automations that we're doing uh, with the home stuff. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Gazelle, the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling your used electronics. So it's getting close to iPhone and iPad season, and uh, you know what that means. So do you have a used MacBook or smartphone that's just collecting dust in your drawers? You can trade that into gazelle.com where they offer you the best value for your device. It's fast and easy and free to get a custom quote for your gadgets. And while you're there, you can check out their huge inventory of pre-owned iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, and more. Their devices are certified and affordable, perfect for you and your loved ones. So if you decide to sell your device online, you should know that their quotes are free. All you have to do is go on the site, find your gadget, answer a few easy questions, and get your instant price quote. Their payments are fast, and you'll get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox, or a direct deposit into your PayPal account. If you want to buy a device on Gazelle, this is a great option if you're not quite ready to sign a new contract, or maybe you broke your phone and you're just trying to tide yourself over until something new comes out, or maybe you know someone like a kid or someone who's not super tech savvy who would love to have a new phone but doesn't necessarily need the latest and greatest. Gazelle devices are available in good, fair, and excellent conditions. They may show a little sign of wear and tear, but they offer consumers great prices on still great devices 
and they've put, been put through a rigorous 30-point inspection process, ensuring that they are in perfect working order. I've actually bought these for members of my family, and I'll tell you, we could not tell really that they were used. Devices are available for support by all the major carriers, where it's AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, or Sprint. So give life to your new devices today. You can either trade in for cash or buy certified pre-owned. Visit gazelle.com today, and don't forget to let them know that you heard about them from Mac Power users. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E dot com. And thanks, Gazelle, for your continued support of the show. All right. So we teased it a little bit um, earlier in the episode. Let's talk a little bit about um, exactly how we've got HomeKit set up and configured. Um, because it, I tell you, it, it took me a while to really figure this out and, and get everything put in there and all of my, my automation set up. Um, I think maybe in order to do that productively, we should talk a little bit about the HomeKit app and how it's how it's set up. We we talked about some of the things we didn't like about it, but there are a couple of different categories within the HomeKit app and how you can control things. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple design for the application. It's very iOS based, whether you're looking at it on the Mac or or the iOS devices. Uh, I guess to be clear, I'm looking at it on the Mac because I'm running a beta, but if, but it, very soon you'll have it on your Mac as well. But the um so it, it's got three tabs across the top. And the first one is home, which to me is one of the more useful where it just gives you a grid with a rounded rectangle icon for every device on your network that it sees that it, it considers part of HomeKit. It's a great way just to see how things are going. It also allows you to see where things are turned on or where uh, if there's a device that's not getting a response or like I was talking earlier about those um, those door switches where the batteries go low. It gives me low battery warnings there. It, to me, I look at that as kind of mission control for the HomeKit. Uh, and it's a way to quick and easily turn turn things on and off. Um, but it's it's also kind of clumsy, in my opinion. We talked a little bit about that before. Like, for instance, we were talking about light bulbs. Um, it does display light bulb icon for lights, but it also dis- displays the exact same icon for light switches. So, you know, my Lutron switches versus my Hue lights have the exact same uh, icon in the rounded rectangle. Actually, I can help you with that. Did you know that there was a recent update that if you click on a device and you know how you can long press and then you can get to settings? Then it says, for example, mine says back porch and it shows a, a picture of a bulb because I, that's a hue bulb that I control. Click on that icon and you can choose. There are a couple of options you can choose. There are not many, but it knows, for example, that this is a light bulb. So you can choose a light bulb. You can choose a stand up lamp. You can choose a pendant lamp or you can choose a desk lamp. And, and none of them are a can light or a light switch. So it's well, still... but with with the with the Lutron, because those are those are hue bulbs. Um, with the Lutrons, you can you can choose a light switch. Uh, it's not not for me. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. Well, mine mine lets me. Okay. Sorry. Well, actually, I'm I'm looking at it on the Mac right now, so maybe it's just part of the beta. It's just not there. Maybe yet. that's why. Yeah. So I've got, for example, I've got my I have a lamp on my desk, and I've got the little icon changed to be a desk lamp. Okay. Real time follow up here. Let me see if I can do it. I'm just. Pulling my iPad up. You don't. You don't trust me that I'm that I can do it. No, okay. I, I believe you. I just want to see. Nope. With my Lutron switches, it's still doing the same thing. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Maybe you have an update or something. Yeah. Um, well, either way. Um, well, that helps, but it's still rounded rectangles. But it, it's a it's a good master list of all of your devices, and it's a great way to to get started. The problem with it is. Um, 
you know, it gets to be a pretty big list as you start growing your home kit out. Yeah. And I think there's actually a limit as to what you can have on that front page as well. And, and I want to remind me to talk about the widget later because that is actually quite useful. But, but moving the next tab over in the application is the rooms tab. And this is the one that I frankly always had trouble understanding. You know, it's a, it's a separate tab. You can scroll between them for each room that you've got a smart device in. I mean, I understand the concept, but I just feel like it's a poor design. Yeah. So the way that the way that home your home is set up is it's it's the idea that you have a home and your home has rooms and devices live in rooms. So each device that you set up, you assign to a room. And here's a hack that I've done. So I've I've created rooms. I have one room, for example, is called outside, which is not really a room, but it's a location. Uh, I have my bedroom. I have my dining room. I have my family room. I have my office. I have my kitchen. I have actually now also created a room called hubs. And the hub room is a fake room, but it's basically a room where all of these random hubs now show up because I have like six hubs for HomeKit devices now. And I didn't want to see those in the room. I have one called Media Cubby. It's the same thing. So everything lives in a room. Um, you can also group things together. So for example, when I had um, those Wemo switches that all controlled cameras, I didn't think of those as Wemo switches. I thought of them as cameras because that's what they controlled. So I had three of those. I had three Wemo switches connected to three D-Link cameras. Is You can make something as part of a group. So I went into settings um, and there's an option to create a group. And I grouped those devices. So instead of saying, you know, bedroom Wemo switch or office Wemo switch, um, I created a group of those called camera. And now they just showed up as camera in each of those rooms. And if I said, you know, hello, uh, computer, turn on or turn off the cameras, it would it would do all of them as well. Interestingly, uh, the HomePod also shows up as a HomeKit device on these lists, on the master list and whatever room you've got it in. As does the Apple TV. Yeah, and, and the HomePod, <laughs> tapping on it, just resumes playing whatever music you, you were playing last time you had the HomePod working. And uh, I, I'm just not sure if that's the best use of that, but I, I guess that's probably the natural use for it because it's a speaker that's supposed to play music but it it is interesting how like you could not you could have not played music for three days and if you tap the button it just continues right where it left off well and there is no app to configure the home pod the home pod is exclusively configured in the home kit app in fact that's if you buy a home pod that's where you do the setup and that's where you change the settings is right inside that home pod button so we have our we have our individual devices. We we have our rooms. So devices are set up. They're set into rooms. You can also group them together. Um, spend some time looking in the settings tab for each device because you can do some things. You can you can include the notifications and status. You can group them with other accessories. Depending on the type of device it is, you can get some information. So for example, with my sensor, it will tell you uh, what the temperature is, how what how what the brightness is. Um, it will tell you whether it senses motion or not. It will give you some information about the device and its firmware and its its model. So there are things that you can do within that settings tab. You can also create scenes within the HomeKit um, app. It's not super intuitive, but if you click the little plus button at the top, you can either add an accessory or you can add a scene. And I don't know that scene is really the right word for it. It's it's more of a maybe a mode would be the, the way that you call this. 
Yeah, it's a very programming term mode. I think the reason they pick scenes is they want it to be kind of user friendly, but you're right because it's not really a scene so much as it is, it, it is a, um, it's just a, a combination of rooms acting at the same time. Uh, like the, well, the, the, a combination the, of devices acting at the same time that may or may not be in the same room. Exactly. It, it gives the opportunity to fire off a whole bunch of stuff of different types and natures in possibly different rooms. Like one of the ones is a uh, good morning, you know, and you click on good morning and then you can have a whole bunch of things go on. You know, maybe it turns on the coffee maker with the home kit plug and it turns on the lights in the room and turns off Katie's fan and, you know, whatever, you know, let your imagination go wild. And, and we talked about series shortcuts last month. Series shortcuts is going to be able to tie into that stuff. So you can tie the scenes to a, to a series shortcut command and then, then lots of stuff can happen. Yes. Yeah, scenes can be very powerful. Um, if you really take some time to, to master them and, and we'll talk in a few minutes about some of the scenes that we have set up, but, uh, for now I would say, be aware that they exist and scenes live, um, right directly above your accessories. And you will see all the scenes that can be trigger triggered that relate to a specific room in those rooms. And you may see the same scene multiple times in multiple rooms, because a scene may control devices in multiple rooms. And again, I think this is kind of an oddity of, of how the device is, is set up and configured, but that's what we've got for now. And, um, and then the final tab across the top of the application is the automation stuff. And like I, like I was mentioning earlier, there is, uh, you know, just like so many things in automation, when we're talking about workflow, we have the same conversation of triggers and actions. With HomeKit, you have the exact same thing. What are the triggers? And over the years, the triggers continue to grow in HomeKit. Like I said, when people arrive, when people leave, time of day, accessories control, the sensor detects something. So there's all these different things that can be triggers. And then the actions are all of the HomeKit things that you've bought. If you put the $1,000 um, lights, uh, I'm sorry, if you put the $1,000 window shades in, uh, when you walk in the front door, it can you can have the window shades open up. Or as, you know, as it's time to wake up in the morning, your window shades automatically raise up in your bedroom. Uh, it's just a question of how far you want to go down the rabbit hole with all these devices. Um, and there are several things that can be triggered in an action. And this is actually something that Apple built on in iOS 11. Um, I have not seen a ton more actions added in iOS 12, but um, I, I will say that my I have seen things that were broken repaired in iOS 12. So although maybe Apple is not adding a whole lot more in iOS 12, they are they are at least fixing some bugs that have been longstanding bugs. Yeah, I, I think Apple overall is invested in HomeKit. Um, I think that the beginning, it was interesting when it first came out because the, the common thought was this is Apple. So they're not going to use uh, a home automation system that relies on third-party vendors to make hardware. It's Apple. They're going to make their own hardware. And you're going to buy the Apple door sensor and the Apple plug and all the, you know, you're going to go to Apple and give them money every time you want something. And interestingly, they didn't do that. Instead, they made... Um, HomeKit reliant on third-party vendors, and it, and but because they put th that kind of security into it, they put more security into it than some of the co competition. It required a hardware chip, which is why it was so slow to adopt. But now, they've they've allowed people to do the encryption through software, and suddenly you're getting this big expansion of of pieces for it. Right. 
Um, a, a couple of the um, the triggers. So if we're if we're going back and calling these if and then statements. So if this happens, then do this. Uh, the triggers that you can use uh, for automation are uh, when people arrive, when people leave, based on a time of day, when another accessory is controlled, or when a sensor detects something. Those are, I, I think those are pretty good. Are, are there any big ones that you think are missing? That's a good question. I hadn't really thought of it. Um, well, I mean, it, it's reliant on everything being in HomeKit. So um, it would be interesting if we had some way, like if, if it integrated with if this, then that. So we could say, if you have an Amazon camera or if you have a device that's outside HomeKit, then you can still trigger a HomeKit action. Based on a command from an app or something like that? Exactly. I think you're going to see some of that maybe with Siri shortcuts, but maybe not. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a possibility. And we're going to talk about that more when it releases. But but you, but HomeKit can integrate to Siri shortcuts. So, um, you know, maybe that will solve that or scratch that itch for us. But, you know, just sitting here, I really can't think of it. I'm sure we'll get a lot of email or comments and talk.macpowerusers.com with good ideas. Um, and then the other thing you can do, the then that you can do once you get into the ad action, once it's triggered or the um, um, what, what happens next, the trigger after that is what devices do you want to control and then what state do you want them to be in so the first thing you do is after you you select your trigger is you then select the devices that you want to control maybe it's a single device maybe it's multiple devices and then you select their state do you want the light on do you want the light off do you want the power on do you want the power off do you want the door open do you want the door closed yeah that's the action part of it and it's just a question of, like I said, how many of these devices you buy that can do different things for you. Um, like I, we just got a, um, we replaced our ceiling fan of our kitchen table last year. And I was very interested in putting a home kit ceiling fan because they exist, but there just wasn't enough variety and it just, they just didn't really have the ones I wanted. Uh, so ultimately I didn't do that, but but, you know, you can make the ceiling fan turn on if you've got the home kit ceiling fan. Uh, well, but now you don't even need to do that. Now you just get the switch. Which which are you talking about? You can get a Lutron switch and do it. That's what I do with my ceiling fan. Oh, so they have a Lutron. Yeah, but the, I think you need to, for some reason that wasn't compatible with my, but it's like, isn't like a radio receiver that you put into the ceiling fan? No, it's just an on off switch. If your fan is controlled by an on off switch at the wall, then the Lutron switch will work it. Will it also turn the light off and on on the fan? All of my fans are separately switched to have lights on one switch and the fan on a separate switch. Mine is not. I'll have to look into that, though. It still would be nice if I could just control the fan. But yeah, I, I knew Lutron made that. Well, that's that that can be easily rewired. That's probably a deal. Well, yeah. Depends on how comfortable you are with wiring. That could be rewired. Yeah, I could probably do that. You're right. Well, after I finish paying for the home office renovation <laughs> right now, I, I'm, do I'm done with home improvement for a while. If you can do it yourself, it wouldn't be that expensive. But the question is whether you should do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a whole other story. So anyway, so um, I think we've uh, any other thoughts about the actual HomeKit app and, and how it's configured. Um, there is a there are a couple of other menus. The one other menu is the uh, the home menu, which is in the um, upper left of the app. And that's just where you can do things like a, a couple of configurations of the home. So for starters, um, you can name your home. I just called mine home. There probably are other ways you could name your home. And the other thing is they do have um, 
you can insert your own picture of the individual room. So as you swipe through the rooms, you see a picture of the room or something iconic of that room. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Just because the, the app is so unintuitive as it is, I think if you can add any way to make it easier for your eyes to get to the right place and push the right button, that's a good thing. You also, you have to have, in order for this to work when you're not in your home with your iOS device, you're going to have to have a home hub set up. And this is easier now than it used to be. But I believe, is it the third generation Apple TV that will act as a hub or does it have to be a fourth generation Apple TV? Uh, don't I don't want to say with certainty, but I believe it was the third generation that that started. I believe you're right because I see my third generation Apple TV listed as a as a hub. I think that's right. Well, there you go. Also, uh, HomePods now will act as a HomeKit hub. You also can configure an iPad to act as a HomeKit hub. So if you always leave your iPad at home, that could be a way to to act as a HomeKit hub. It's probably not the ideal way. And and what that does for you is it gives you the ability to control all of this stuff when you're off your local Wi-Fi. Um, the other thing that, that you should know within there is this is where you invite people to join your home. So if you want someone else to be able to control your HomeKit devices, i.e. the other people in your home, this is where you invite them to join your home. You should also know that Apple has set certain types of devices to be secure devices. So, for example, doors and locks. Um, are set as secure devices. I guess the other thing I didn't tell you I have is my garage doors are all HomeKit now because I added the um, uh, the MyQ, the Chamberlain MyQ to my garage doors. And I cannot lock or unlock the front door, which is a, a HomeKit enabled, um, it's the quick set HomeKit enabled lock, or open or close my garage door, I don't think, without authenticating. So I can't do those from the HomePod. I have to do those from my watch or my phone. Interesting. Which I think is a good idea because you don't want people just screaming, unlock the front door. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to our friends over at Fujitsu and the ScanSnap line of scanners. If you've got a lot of paper in your life, you need a scanner. And if you need a scanner, you need a Fujitsu ScanSnap. Both Katie and I have been using them for years. Um, I have got a few of them now. I brought one home from the office when I left the uh, the firm and started working from home. And I just love having it around because anytime I get a stack of paper, it takes almost no time to uh, scan that through and get it all taken care of for me. Uh, one of the things I like about the Fujitsu software is that it has the OCR stuff built right into it. So as I run documents through the scanner, they get automatically um, run with optical character recognition. I can search them. Uh, recently I, I get these, uh, continuing legal education books, you know, as a lawyer, I got to keep up with the laws as they change. And I get these things that are hundreds, sometimes thousands of pages, and they're always given to you in binders. They're in three ring binders. So it makes it really easy to take them out. And then I just stick them in the scan snap. And when I'm like opening mail or whatever, I will run them through the scan snap. I've got the uh, IX 500, which can go 25 pages per minute. It's got a 50 sheet, a 50 page sheet feeder on it. So literally in an hour or two, I can run a thousand page um, CLE, continuing legal ed education material through it. And it's all OCR'd and saved a PDF to my computer. So I can just go in and read it on my iPad at will or, or search it. I use that to start chopping up some of the, the cookbooks in the house so I could digitize them until my wife figured out what I was up to. And then I got in trouble. That's a whole other story. Uh, but it's a great, you know, it's a great device having in your life to, to just get that paper out. Because as much as we all want to be digital, pa paper still shows up. 
So uh, get yourself a Fujitsu scan set. It doesn't matter what your needs are. They've got something to cover you. Like I said, I've got that the big IX500, which is kind of the desktop version. They've got the S1300i, which is more portable, does 12 pages per minute. If it's in a desk drawer and it can be USB powered, so it's still pretty powerful. If you really want the, uh, the portability, they've got the IX100 which is like a little magic wand you can stick in your briefcase and or your bag. And when you go somewhere, you can pull it out, plug it into your device and just start scanning right there. Um, there's so much to do with these Fujitsu scans apps. We've heard from lots of listeners that love theirs. Uh, if you're interested, head over to budurl.me slash SSMPU. That's uh, ScanSnap Mac Power Users. Get it? SSMPU. And get yourself your Fujitsu ScanSnap today. And thank you, Fujitsu, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. Okay, David, we've teased it long enough since the beginning of the show. Let's talk about the specific automations we have set up for HomeKit. All right, you first. The one that that I've set up, probably one of the first ones that I've set up, um, is I I don't like to ever have to um, turn off stuff. So I've got, these are easy ones. The first couple of ones I've set up are... um, are time-based automations. So the first one I've set up is at 10.30 p.m. daily. I, I kind of go to bed early. I get up early, I go to bed early. 10.30 p.m. daily, all of my accessories turn off. My um, front porch light turns off, my driveway lights turn off, my back porch light turns off, my garage doors close. So if I've ever accidentally left my garage doors open, they will close. All the lights turn off in my house, my front door locks. I've actually had that save me once if I uh, left my front door open. My front door will lock, um, but that's it. Ten thirty p.m. The house secures. I should probably call that something fun. Lockdown. Red lockdown. alert. Ten thirty p.m. Lockdown. What would they say on the Starship Enterprise? Red alert. Yeah, no. Secure the bridge. There you go. Yes, secure the bridge. They'd probably say that. And then you tie that to a Siri shortcut in a few months, and you can just say it. I could tie- say to your HomePod, and then like you're, you can you can literally hear the locks closing on your front door. Yeah, although my front door is usually locked, but. That's that's one of mine. I would leave it unlocked just so I could hear that sound. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, the, the nice thing that you know, the advantage you have over me, Katie, is that you live alone. And um, uh, with other humans, it's harder to make um, uh, like time based automations. Like if I say turn out all the lights at 10 p.m. and uh, my daughter's down there with her boyfriend, I, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I want those lights on. I want all the lights on. <laughs> I can see. Yeah. So that's, that's why I have to set up all my automations now so that if I ever don't live all alone, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I don't know what your problem is, but all the lights in the house turn off at 1030. Got to go. Bye. You, you, okay, buddy, you get, you get me with the automation. <laughs> these, these can't be separated, but you no, know, so I, so I don't have as much as that. I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting this in the prenup. These yeah. are all the automations I'm listing. Them. <laughs> For me, uh, my automations. Okay. So I do have the timing based ones, particularly, you do, know, do you want to do this round Robin? You want me to do one? You to do one? Well, I'll do one right now. I mean, uh, so for time, I have many. I, I well, we'll let you do because I think you have more than me, frankly. Um, but for me, the the time based automations come in place in the holidays. You know, when I have holiday lights and things like that, and um, I like to to set them based on sunset. You know, because they, for the outdoor stuff, I want them to turn on. And so the outdoor lights are there based on. It's just a simple recipe. When the sun goes down, the sparks, you know, lights go on. And then I have them turn off at 10 o'clock and it's just, there's just nothing fancy about that one. It's a simple one, uh, for the Christmas tree. I love having the Christmas tree on 
So I have a bunch of automations I do. Uh, you know, we have the Christmas tree in our room with the stairs. So as I walk down the stairs in the morning. Do you have a live Christmas tree or a fake Christmas tree? Um, for years, we had a live tree. But because where I live, it's so hot and dry that, you know, they just turn into folded up umbrellas after two or three weeks. And and, and I'm one of those. I, I'm I love I love the holidays. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. You know, I would if if Daisy would let me, I would put the Christmas tree up. Um, on, in fact, this is a joke in the family. I want to put the Christmas tree up on Halloween night. I just, I, I want to put it up that night. I want, I want to put, I want to, start, I want to play Christmas carols. And when people knock on the door for candy, I want to open it up with like jingle bells playing in the background and wish them Merry Christmas and give them a handful of candy and shut the door, you know, <laughs> that's, but you know, what can I say? So anyway, we, we got an artificial tree several years ago. And, uh, so we've gone the artificial route. So I have a live tree and, um, the re I don't, um, I, I don't have any automation associated with the lights on my tree just because I'm afraid of the, the fire hazard. Whoosh, yeah. I get you. Um, but so I love, that's the other thing I love it. So I can put it up early and keep it up late. I just, I love the Christmas tree. We're super crazy. Every time we go anywhere, we always buy an ornament and I like to tell a story about every ornament on my tree. I'm, I, I'm, do, I do that too. Yeah. I'm going to be one of those unbearable old people someday. Like, like a grandkid will come to the house and I'm going to get to the Christmas tree and they're just going to want to get away so badly. But that's someday. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that as I said it, but <laughs> thanks for pointing it out anyway. Okay. So, uh, but so I have a whole bunch of automation at Christmas on the tree itself. Cause I, I want those lights on, you know, when I walk down the stairs, motion, David in the house, turn the lights on, you know, uh, front door opens, turn the lights on, whatever it is, turn the lights on. So, uh, the, uh, the Christmas, I basically keep the lights on all the time with the Christmas tree with automation. All right. Well, let me run through the, my, since I seem, seems like I have more than you, let me, let me run through my time-based automations then. Um, so again, 5am daily, cause I get up early. Um, at 5am, I turn on a couple of the lamps in the house. I don't turn on the overhead lights, but I turn on um, the lamps in my dining room and my family room because when I walk out of my bedroom, I want the, uh, I, I want to, I want the lights to be on. So I'm not, you know, stumbling around in the kitchen. Um, and then also the, the opposite is kind of true. And at night at 845 PM, I turn on the, the lamp in my bedroom because it's starting to get dark then. And um, I turned the bedroom lamp on to, to 30%. So there's some light in there. And then um, at 9 a.m. daily, I um, because by that time I'm gone and I'm, I'm off to work, I have, again, kind of almost like my good night rule or my, uh, my goodbye rule, all the, all the lights turn off uh, at 9 a.m. Now, this is not the, the overhead lights in the house. But this is the back porch light, the driveway light, the front light, the bedroom lamp, the the lamps and those types of things, um, because the lamps don't need to be on. Because if I'm home, the overhead lights will be on. And if I'm not, the, the lamps will be on. I also have a couple of sunrise and sunset rules. So at sunrise, um, the the lamps will turn off and the outside lights will turn off. And at sunset daily, um, the outside lamps will the outside lights will turn on. And um, I call it my dining room lamp, but it's really kind of the lamp that's like right in front of the main window in the house. The, the dining room lamp will will turn on. So even if I'm not home yet, it looks like somebody's home. That makes sense. Those are my time-based rules. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to, if I can get an outdoor lighting situation to work, I'm going to put some of those on time-based lights. Um, the the front porch light, I will put on a time-based rule because that's on a Lutron Cassetta switch, so it's easy to trigger um, during the dark months, you know, um, you know, in the, um, when it turns dark at five o'clock, I, I want the, the front porch light to be on automatically. Cause there's always people coming home after 5 PM, but during the summer when it's light till eight thirty nine, I will, um, I will turn that off. Yeah. I just, I have my front porch light on at dark all the time. So it's, they're led lights, so they don't put on a lot of there. It's not a huge power drain. So I don't, I don't worry about that that way. So do you have any other um, time-based or sunrise sunset-based rules you want to go through? No, no, not really. Not really. I have a couple of rules based on, um, let's see, the uh, next category, I guess. Let's let's call this the location category. So I have a location category-based rule called when I leave home. And when I leave home, it will do a lot of the other things that I talked about. It's going to turn off. Um, and again, this is easier for me because I, I live alone. But it will turn off the back porch light. It will turn off. Oh, I forgot my most important uh, Wemo switch. I'll tell you about that. My hot blanket. I have my hot blanket on a Wemo switch. Okay. I want to hear this. It's very important. Yeah. But it will turn off my hot blanket just in case I forget. It will turn off the lamps um, and it will turn off a lot of the lights in the house if I leave home. Well, and do realize you were giving me grief about talking about Christmas ornaments a few minutes ago. So so, so tell us about your hot blanket. Okay. So it doesn't get really cold here, but there are some nights when it gets cold. We probably have about three, four freezes a year. And so I don't like to heat the, I I do have obviously heat in the house, but I don't like to heat the whole house at night when it's just me, because I feel like that's a waste of heat and, you know, it's expensive to heat the whole house. So I, I set my heat pretty, pretty, pretty low, I guess. Um, so that the, the heat doesn't come on unless it's really cold. But I have a, um, it's actually not a hot blanket. I call it the hot blanket. It's a, it's a heated mattress pad for my bed. And I actually had to find a mattress pad that, um, just has an on off switch and a, and a, and an analog, um, timer, not timer, but an analog, um, uh, heat adjustment, not, not one that you have to press buttons. Cause again, the Wemo switches just turn power on and power off. So I had to find something that I could set it. And when I, clicked the power, it would be on. And when I disconnected the power that it would be off. So, um, I, the hot blanket, because it's a a hot mattress pad, it takes about 30 minutes or so to get, get things nice and warm. And, um, I don't like to leave it on all night because if I leave it on all night, it will get really toasty. So I will turn that on about 30 minutes before I go to bed. And I always want it to go off about an hour, hour and a half after I get in bed because I don't want to roast at night. So I have that set on a Wemo switch and I have it set to manually trigger because I don't use it every night. So I will either tell Alexa or tell Siri to turn on the hot blanket. And then I will, um, it's also on the Wemo has the ability to build in a timer. So two hours after I turn it on, it turns itself off. So that's my, that's my hot blanket. And I love it. It's, it's, it's the greatest use of a Wemo switch ever. Are you sure the greatest? I think it's the greatest use of a Wemo switch ever because now when you go to bed, it's all nice. You just get in bed and it's nice and cozy and warm. And all you had to do is tell your fancy computer to warm up your bed for you. No, I, I think that's cool. I'm very self-sufficient. I just program my technology to warm up my bed for me. It is so much easier when, well, actually that would work for anybody, but, but get back to the one about you leaving, because I want to talk about that rule. Cause it's really matured a lot um, on the home kit side. 
Well, that, that would, I mean, yours would work for any, because a lot of these have, you could, you could plug it into his and her. You'd have to have two Wemo switches, but you could say, you know, turn on David's side of the bed or turn on Daisy's side of the bed. That gets me in trouble, by the way. I, this is the blue part of the show. It's like the, um, the, um, uh, the bedside lamp next to my bed. So this is, this is, uh, my wife is not going to be happy with me, but the, the, the lamp is called David. So to get the lamp to turn off, I say, you know, I say the magic words and say, turn off David. Then she just looks at me and just shakes her head. <laughs> I, I would call it something else too, but okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I need to fix that. <laughs> All right. Back, back to the, when I leave rules. Well, it, it's just, you know, it's not just, you know, I was talking about the problem of having a house with multiple people in it, but they've actually expanded that role in a lot of ways. Like now you can have the role trigger when the last person leaves. So if you've shared the home kit with everybody that lives with you, it's particularly easy if there's just like two people, but even with a couple of kids, if they've got iPhones, if you've got everybody in on the system, when the last person leaves, you can have those rules like work. And the other thing that they've added over the years is it's not just when you leave the house, it can be when you leave any location, it's map based. So, uh, you know, the natural thought with this rule when you see it is when I leave the house, turn the lights off or whatever. But you could also say when I leave work, turn the air conditioning on at home. So the, the house is cool when I get home or or lower my fancy blinds, you know, when I leave the house or whatever you want to do. But it it is very much uh, expanded now. So it can cover more than one person and more than one location. And if you just wrap your head around that, then suddenly new automations start occurring to you. Do you have any location-based rules you want to talk about? Um, I mean, just we have the one that when the last person leaves, it turns all the lights off, you know, and it, it works. You know, it, I was afraid when I first put it in place that, you know, one of the kids would leave and I'd be and all the house lights would go off and I'd be stuck in the dark. And I, I haven't had that problem. And I also have the arrival ones, too. You know, I, I, I have the door switch sensor, but I also have a arrival-based uh, automation. How about you? Um, so let's talk about sensor, uh, based automation. So you can, um, you can have automation based on, um, when other devices, when something happens with other devices. And I think that one is incredibly powerful if you think about how to use it. So I have a couple of these set up. The one we touched on a little bit earlier is the motion sensor and motion sensors are great ones to set up rules with. So, um, I have one that is when motion is detected, detected outside between 10 30 PM and 7 30 AM to turn on the outside lights as well as my dining room lamp and my family room lamp. So that, that lights up the outside of my house and it lights up enough of the inside of my house that if it's someone walking up to the house, it looks like my house is occupied. Um, I also have a very similar rule to that that says when the front door unlocks to also turn on those same devices. So if the front door unlocks um, again, between certain hours that it's going to turn on the outside lights and turn on the lights inside the house. So that could be for any, either of two reasons. It could be because someone's at the door, although my motion sensor would get those, um, and I'm opening the door to let them in. Or it's like, if I'm taking the trash out late at night and I open the front door and walk out the front door, then lights are going to come on. And for those, I have it set. You can also set those on a timer so that the, whatever was, was off before turns off 10 minutes later. And the advantage of doing those off the lock, because I don't have a home kit lock, is as soon as you turn the lock, the the automation triggers, 
Whereas with me, I've got the switch on the door. As soon as the, the connection is broken, as soon as the door opens, then the lights trigger. So I can see where you're going with that. I am actually very interested in doing more motion-based home automation with HomeKit now that I'm kind of getting entrenched with it. I, I ordered one of these um, these Philips Hue sensors that you recommend. So I'm going to... Since we've been on the show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's not the first time something like that has happened to me. <laughs> yeah, but I... because I, I now, now you know how the listeners feel. Yeah, exactly. But I, I actually can think of two or three places in the house I would like these. I think the front door is a great idea. I think back door is not a bad idea either, or even just the hallway. If someone gets up in the middle of the night to walk around, you don't want them to stumble in the dark. So I could see um, getting several of these if they work. I just wish they were a little cheaper. Um, I have a couple of similar rules also set up with the garage door because sometimes I don't always go out the front door because my garage door is HomeKit compatible. If I leave early in the morning and my automation hasn't kicked on yet to turn on the outside lights, um, as soon as my garage door opens, my outside lights are going to turn on and stay on for 10 minutes. All right. Do you have any other rules you want to talk about? Not really. Not really. I, um, uh, my, my home automation system is very heavily, um, lighting based, you know, with some sensor stuff. And, uh, because the cameras are on a separate network, I don't have a lot of camera based auto- automation. Um, I haven't gone down the road of locks yet. I think that that may be in the future for me, but I'm holding off on that right now. How about you? Um, you know, I talked about, I've, I've got the lock and I've got the garage doors and those are, um, the lock I don't use that much, but I like having it and the garage doors I use all the time. I love that. If you go to Apple, was it apple.com? So I think slash home kit. We'll put a link in the no, show notes. It's a, no, it's apple.com slash iOS slash home. Uh, they've got a whole list of the different things you can get, you know, that work with HomeKit, and it, it opens up all these ideas, you know, once you start looking at them. Like I had no idea until we started prepping for the show that a garage door, a HomeKit garage door, was a thing. I've had one for years. We've talked about this all the time. I, I, for some reason, it just didn't sink in for me. I think I thought it was on your switch. I didn't think it was the actual garage door. It was HomeKit enabled. Right. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and a whole lot more. Whether you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, Squarespace can help you do that with their all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace just has you covered. And you have their award-winning 24-7 customer support behind you if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And they have these award-winning templates that are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas. And you don't have to worry about your site looking like somebody else's because it's template-based. Squarespace templates are infinitely customizable. Pick a template and then go as far as you want in customizing your template. You can change it up with different colors, different themes, different configurations. In fact, a lot of websites that you wouldn't know are built on Squarespace are actually built on Squarespace. And perhaps one of my favorite features of Squarespace is it's no fuss. You don't have to worry about databases or backends or anything like that. Squarespace sites just work. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a free trial right now with no credit card required by heading on over to squarespace.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac power users. Again, that's squarespace.com MPUs and use coupon code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Squarespace for their kind support. Squarespace, make your next move. 
make your next website. All right, Katie, I've got two questions for you. Uh, the first one is realistically, you know, what are your next steps down, down home kit? What are the, the objects you're thinking about purchasing to upgrade? What are the problems you want to solve? Okay. That's the first question. And then this, the follow-up question of that is let's say money is no object. What would you do to your house with home kit? Oh, okay. Well, I, I think, I think those are two of the same. I think the answer to those questions are the same, but I, I think I get there more quickly versus more slowly. <laughs> you know, if money was no object, I'd just do it tomorrow. And um, um, where I'm going right now with HomeKit is I think I'm just doing more of the same. I think I'm adding, I'm building out the Lutron Cassetta switches. I, I am adding more motion sensors. At some point, I'm going to have to, my, uh, I have two garage bays. Um, one of the garage door openers was, um, uh, was put in fairly recent. You can tell one's a lot newer than the other because I bought this house about a year ago and, and someone owned it before me. But um, one of them has not been swapped out. And although the, the MyQ kit that I have works perfectly fine, I think at some point, if I ever had to put in a garage door opener, I would just actually put in the MyQ garage door opener. Um, they're a little more expensive, but you might as well, you know, replace it with the one that's built in. Although maybe that's not such a good idea because then you're stuck with it as opposed to maybe the box gets upgraded over time. Um, but I, I think it would be more the same, more sensors. And as we talked about, I'm, I'm interested in, um, going outside with my, my Hue system. So those are things I'm interested in. I will tell you, I'm also maybe interested in adding an outdoor camera. I'm interested in maybe getting one of the ring floodlight cams. I'm also a little nervous though, about being that person who has cameras all over the place. Cause I not sure I want to be that person because I, I you can go overboard with that too. You know, I, I don't think that's a problem anymore. People had people do it all the time. I, I don't think there's the same stigma attached that there used to be. I mean, I, I got one last year to point at my reindeer because I didn't want him to get stolen again. So, I mean, yeah, so I guess I'm already that guy. But, you know, I have a couple cameras. They're subtle. But if you look, they are there. And I think that serves a purpose as well. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you should. If that's the reason you're holding up on an outdoor camera, then that's not a good enough reason. You should just get them. No, in fact, I'll tell you, um, it's uh, and, and I'm not going to say anything more than this, but it's it's political season right now. Um, and I don't normally have a problem with, with people coming up to my door, but, uh, I've, I've had people come up to my door recently and, uh, I, I wasn't home when they did, but, uh, they came up and they pointed out, they're like, Oh, there's a, there's a camera there. It's like, yes, yes, there is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess if I had the same question, I, you know, the slow burn stuff I want to do is like you, I want, I want to finish out the Lutron switches. I'm sold. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have them on basically everything in the house at some point. I want the ability to sit in bed and not have to run downstairs to turn something off. Um, the, um, I, I am very interested in sensor based, um, automation. And I think that's really a good solution. I've just been waiting for them to get cheaper and they haven't. Um, so I mean, this is a little cheap, like I was going to get the Eve ones, which are $50 and the ones you pointed to me are $10 cheaper. So I'm going to try that and hopefully they're good, but it's still more than I would like to spend because if I could, ideally I'd have like five sensors in the house and you know, I could do all sorts of automation based on what room you're in. Uh, so I think that's kind of in the future. Uh, I would like to automate music playback. 
you know, I would like that when I trigger the door sensor, that suddenly my favorite playlist starts getting played through the Sonos system, which is not just not really feasible right now. Would it not be with Siri shortcuts? It may be. I, I don't know the answer to the question. I haven't looked into deep because if you can combine Siri shortcuts with um, with uh, AirPlay, what do they call that? Um, AirPlay 2. Um, maybe I could do it. I, you know, I need to look into that deeper, but I, uh, I don't have the answer for you, but I don't think it's trivial. Whereas if I just had a bunch of home, I guess if I had a fleet of home pods, it'd probably be easier with series shortcuts, but, uh, I'm invested with Sonos. I'm not going to leave that stuff. Uh, so that's something I'd like to, to see improve over time. Um, you know, long-term projects, you know, that these blinds are just way too prohibitively expensive, but if you get more vendors and the, the technology gets cheaper, I would love in the morning for the window shades to open in my room as I'm you know, waking up and getting rolling. And, and I do do the shades up and down several times a day in the office. I, I think it'd be nice if I could automate some of that stuff, but uh, it's uh, it's just prohibitively expensive now. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and then finally, I would ideally like as we go into the future to see way more options for security uh, through HomeKit. And and like to see some of these security companies make HomeKit friendly hardware and come up with products that make sense. And once again, don't charge you three times the competing rate for something else to uh, to combine all that in one place. I mean, I like having everything in one place. One of the things I totally forgot to mention throughout this show is I use HomeKit. My main interface for HomeKit is Control Center. Um, on the iPhone, if you just drag down Control Center using the iPhone 10 or drag up with every other iPhone, you can add a Control Center widget to it. And if you tap on that, that shows you your most frequently used HomeKit devices. And it's a super easy way to set this up. And moreover, if you tap on the little HomeKit icon on the widget, it opens the HomeKit app for you. So it gets you to the HomeKit app as well. I have seen a couple of security systems, we were talking about that, that are promising HomeKit compatibility coming soon. I, I will caution people, though, while I very much hope that is true, and I think it's more likely to be true now than it ever has been before, based on the fact that we now have this software-based encryption instead of the hardware-based encryption, don't buy something based on a product or feature that's coming, because you and I have both bought things that have said they're going to be HomeKit compatible, and they're not, and they likely never will be, and maybe they can't be. Yeah, Canary has said they're going to be HomeKit compatible for years. Uh, Ring Doorbell has promised it on their website. I was tempted to buy one when they announced it. And I'm like, wait, wait, I've been bit by this before. And so I never did. And the um, there's a several of those out there. And, you know, just circling back to the control center stuff, uh, we didn't mention in the show. You know how you get to the end of the show and you realize there's still a ton you didn't cover. Uh, triggering those scenes with Siri is a really useful way to to control your stuff. And getting voice control for it, I think, makes a lot of sense. It also works with the HomePod that way. I will tell you, aside from the devices that automatically trigger based on time or place or other automation, Siri is probably the most frequent way that I trigger my HomeKit devices. And even more so now since I've got the HomePod. Because you've basically got HomePod coverage in just most of your house at this point, right? In, in the main living areas, I do. I also trigger it quite frequently from my watch. And and I can trigger more things from my watch because the watch is a secure device. So I can open my doors and all from my watch. 
Now, do you, when you say you trigger from your watch, do you trigger from your watch using Siri or using the HomeKit app where you've got the little buttons? Using Siri. But you can trigger it from the HomeKit app. But uh, honestly, I, I find the HomeKit app on the watch to be a little clunky. And so it's just as easy for me to, to use Siri to do that. Well, gang, there you have it. A whole show of Mac Power users on HomeKit. A whole show on HomeKit. Who, who would have thought it? I, I will tell you, this was a little bit of an audible. We'd actually planned to do a show on something else and uh, started talking about HomeKit and got so far down the rabbit hole, we decided to keep it that way. Well, we just had a lot to say. We did have a lot um, to say. If you've got a cool HomeKit set up, you know, a great place to tell us about it would be in the show notes uh, for this show at talk.macpowerusers.com. We'd love to read about it as we get ready for the next feedback show. We'll probably share a couple. And if you've got some really cool um, automations or just things you want to share with us, let us know. Yeah, in fact, in that Talk Mac Power Users Forum, please share with us the scenes you've set up, the automations, if you've got new stuff that we really haven't talked about. Uh, you, you can even put screenshots in there. It's, it's fine. That'd be a fun thing to do. And um, we've got an MPU Plus coming up. So if you have any comments or things you want to add, you can send those. Actually, this was supposed to be an MPU Plus show, and we turned it into a HomeKit show. So we, we do have that MPU Plus show. It's, it's going to be a week later than usual, but it is it is coming up, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Omni, Gazelle, Fujitsu, and Squarespace. And we will see you all next time. Music.